get us started in a opportunity where you can hear me. <laughs> and we've been covering a lot of ground in uh, the rapture, tribulation, book of Revelation. Um, we're going to probably next week start into the churches in the second chapter. Um, I want to, I believe we're going to be closing up some theology and hopefully it's been helping you guys paint a picture and have a, a view, a proper biblical view. We're not, why I've been really kind of hammering this out is I want you to see it's really all through, through the Bible, the Old and New Testament together, um, about our blessed hope. And I'm not shy on a pre-tribulation rapture. I, I think all throughout scripture, the Bible makes that pretty clear um, through lots of different places. But I want us to, to look at our main text today is going to be Second Thessalonians. And I'm really going to probably just we'll read the whole chapter. Um, for time's sake, I'm not going to do what I had thought about doing and going back into First Thessalonians and reading um, the last part of 4 and into 5. It's, it's Paul, when Paul had originally addressed um, the Thessalonica church, um, and this is one of really, it's probably one of the first um, books that Paul had written in, his, in the Pauline epistles. So Paul, is, it's, it's, it's something really on his mind, and the early church was, was really concerned about the rapture, about the second coming of the Lord, about the day of the Lord. Um, you have to understand that during those times, the church is under persecution. Um, there, there are lots of questions. In the first um, epistle, the, the believers were really concerned about, well, what happens to me if I die before the rapture comes? Am I somehow going to miss out? Like there was a lot of that. That's why you heard Paul in the fourth chapter. He says, look, I don't want, he said, he said these words, I don't want any of you to be ignorant. So he said at the sound of the trumpet, the dead in Christ will rise and those who are like, will meet them in the air. So he's laying a foundation like, look, don't worry. Even if you go on ahead, you're going to be a part of that. Amen. Amen. So, so he's bringing that teaching. It was very clear to them. And then here you come into second Corinthians or second Thessalonians and there, there had to have been, or there must have been like a, a, a forged letter that they had got. It's, it looks like through history and through um, some of scripture that, that someone had sent a letter to the Thessalonians and said, hey, the, the rapture has already happened. And we're in the middle of tribulation now because they were, because, and this is where the church kind of sometimes gets, gets messed up because there was tribulation happening to the church. Now we need to understand that there's always going to be, Jesus said we'd have trouble. But there's a difference between tribulation that comes from man and tribulation that comes from God. Man. So that was happening. So they were confused and going, oh, no. And, and someone had wrote them a letter and said, hey, you guys have already missed it. The rapture's already happened. We're in tribulation. And they start freaking out. Right? So much so that some of them literally quit working. If you keep reading in the book, Paul's addressing like, hey, get to work. <laughs> <laughs> he's literally having to tell people because they're like, well, what's the point? I mean, if, if the rapture's already happened and we're, in, we're going through it, like the Lord's coming back for us, like I'm done. And, and you literally have people today that are starting to follow that track. I have someone in a, in a, in a somehow shirt coat, just a relative who would literally, I've heard say those things. They really don't want to work. Well, what's the point if the Lord's coming back? I mean, is, it, is there any point in going through all this stuff? Because 
Look, that's a, that's a wrong view. We're to live our life expecting that at any moment the Lord can come back. But you're to also prepare that he's not going to be here for another hundred years. Now, I don't believe that. <laughs> I don't believe he's gonna, we're still going to be here a hundred years from now. I don't believe that. I believe the Lord's going to come. Now, I don't have a date on that. But if you read through Revelation and you read through all the prophecies that have been given, we're getting close. The technology that's here, the, the things that are going on, the, the man of lawlessness, the spirit of lawlessness, which we're going to look at here shortly, is on the earth. It was in Paul's day. But as we get closer to that day, you're going to see more and more of it. Amen? There's foreshadowings that have been happening. Amen? So that's where we're at. Um, we're gonna, I'm just going to read the whole second chapter. Well, you know what? The first chapter is not long, so I'm going to read through the first chapter to set the context. Amen? Content. Start in verse 3. It says, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly, and the love of every one of you all abounds towards each other. That's a healthy church. So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God, for your patience and faith and all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure, which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you. Hey, that's good news. Paul is saying, hey, it's a righteous thing. Like their day's coming. God's going to repay them who are troubling you. Amen? How many know that's encouraging? I don't know about you, but I, I want to know there's some justice coming. Like, you've been jacking up my family, messing with, my, messing with me, messing with people I love. Oh, I want to see you get yours. Hey, and guess what? We're going to see that. We're going to see that. We're going to see that old serpent bound, thrown into a lake of fire. We're going to see the Antichrist and the false witness bound and thrown and cast down. We're going to be there for that. I'm excited about that. I, I feel like I have an opportunity, like the Lord may let me get at least one kick in, and I'm going to be cool with that. Like, just let me kick him once, and I'm, you know, maybe drop an elbow, but, you know. <laughs> He's not going to need my help. Although I'll offer it. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God. On who? Those who do not know God. And on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished. Who? Those who do not know God and who do not obey the gospel. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of our Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and what? The work of faith with power. Underline that. That, I'm not going to preach there. Boy, I wish I could for a little while. Man, we might come back to that one at some point. The work of faith with power. The work of faith with power. 
These signs shall follow those who what? Believe. The work of faith with power. That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him. According to the grace of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Here's our text. Now, brethren, and the King James says, I beseech you, brethren. That's like a strong urge. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what are we talking about? The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him. This is our content. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering to him. We ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter as if from us as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, or the man of lawlessness, most translations, is revealed. And the son of perdition, who would be the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above all. That is called God, or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, we remember we read that in Daniel chapter 9. Do you not remember that when I still... When, when I was still with you, I told you these things. So Paul is saying, remember, I taught you. I, I told you all about this. And now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Would you say amen to that? Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. It's so awesome, I gotta stop. Like this big fight, I mean, when you read the book of Revelation, I don't know about you, but every time I read it, I'm just expecting like, oh, there's gonna be, it's, it's on, there's gonna be this just knock down, drag out, like Jesus literally shows up and he speaks the word. Boom, poof, they're smoked. It's like, to me, it's like anticlimactic. It's like, what? Like They're done? They're already smoked? Yeah, they're smoked. That's how powerful his word is, church. That's how powerful his word is. He's the word in that sort. It's just, he just speaks the word and they just are all smoked. It's crazy. Anyone else like me, you read that and you're just like, what? That's it? Like, that was easy. Yeah, it's easy. He is that awesome and that powerful. And the Antichrist isn't. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan. The coming of the lawless one or the coming of the Antichrist is according to the work of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Among who? Those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. That's pretty clear. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they are all, that they all may be condemned. Who did not, who, who, who's condemned? Who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. 
But we are bound. Now, see how he shifts it. But we, they don't believe the truth. They are bound to, to deception. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you. Because, beloved, by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. Now, I'm going to stop there and just do a real small teaching. Some, some people who are, are uh, hung on Calvinism will say, see, you're predestined here. This is God's already chosen those who are going to be saved. Listen to the whole verse in context. This is what he says. If I find it, I'll tell you. Okay, so 13. But we are bound to give thanks to you, God, always for brethren beloved by the Lord, because here's God from the beginning chose you for salvation. Now, if it stopped right there and there was a period or a comma, then we go, oh, okay, there's not. Chose you for, for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit. So God chose in advance that our salvation would come through sanctification of the Spirit. And what else? The next part. I'm sorry, I switched Bibles, so I keep looking at different spots. <laughs> and belief in the truth. See, Calvinists don't believe we, have, we play any part. God's already foreordained and chosen. Like, you're going to be saved, you're not. That is not what Scripture says. God is chosen for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. That's our part. Belief in the truth. He's ordained that we would be sanctified by the Spirit. He said that's how salvation is going to work. It's going to be by grace, and you'll be sanctified by the Spirit. And belief in the truth. There's our part. So it can't happen if we don't believe in the truth. Therefore, God has ordained, like God has chosen, already chosen that his desire is that all the world would believe. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe. Amen? So that's his plan. And sanctification process is going to happen by the Spirit. God's already ordained that. That's the plan. But you'll have to believe you're in faith and truth for that to happen. Amen? Okay, that's free. That has nothing to do with this message. Just thought I'd throw it out there. I thought it was better than you did, apparently. <laughs> to which he called you by our gospel. What's the gospel? Good news. For which he called you by our good news for the obtaining of glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. I always think it's good to, to say, wait, what's the gospel? He's saying this in context. Hey, this is still good news. Isn't it good news that we're not having... Would it be gospel good news that you got to go through tribulation? That's bad news. Unless you're twisted. You're like, yay, this is going to be great. Have you read Revelation? That's not good news. Good news is, hey, I'm coming for you. Hey, don't worry. That's for those who don't believe. Good news is, those who are, those who've trusted me, those who are obedient, those who've been washed in the blood, you're coming with me. We're going to meet you in the air and the dead in Christ at the same time. That's good news. Amen? I mean, I ain't the sharpest guy, but I know good news when I see it. Now look, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now I got to stop right there, and I'm just going to say this because I don't know if I'll get to it later. I'm so thankful for this passage. 
I literally, when I first started, the first week, when we first started in Revelation, I had someone, and I'm not going to say who, but I got sent a message, and I get those apparently quite often, hallelujah, they're, sometimes they're awesome, sometimes they're not. Um, this one wasn't really awesome or not, it just was. And it was, are you aware of this gentleman who's teaching this and preaching this and blah, 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 and they're on this whole other continent, and, you know, I've been watching them for a long time, and I know their ministry, and you're just stuck on the old tradition, and blah, 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 and I'm like, wow, I said, you know, that's pretty amazing, like, you have, I haven't even finished my teaching, like, how about, how about you just listen for a while, come to church, listen to the teaching, I think you're going to be surprised, it's not same old song and dance, I said, I've been sharing things I've never heard anyone else share, like, I think, because they were saying like, well, you know, this is this stuff is fresh from the from the Lord, and you're teaching old, the, you know, old tradition is actually the words, the old traditions. And I said, really? Now listen to this. I just find this interesting. Paul says, therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or epistle. Wow. Now, i got to say something. I don't have a problem with any of you, but just because you know me or I'm your pastor, if I'm preaching something that's out of bounds, you have a complete right to say, Pastor Steve, I'm confused. And bring scripture and say, I'm not understanding what you're saying. But I think I covered the false prophet thing pretty darn well months back about when he, who do you need to, like, how do you evaluate scripture? How do you evaluate what someone's teaching? Biblically, their life. Biblically, their life. You don't appoint elders, you don't appoint pastors, you don't appoint teachers without looking at their life. You hearing me, church? So you can watch all you want, some person on another continent, and say they're Alibaba, whoever, the most amazing person in the world, and you don't know their life, you don't see what their life's like, you don't see what their family's like, you can't see their children, you can't see any of that thing. But you have more faith in that than someone that is preaching and in a service where the Holy Spirit moves. And just so you know, when the Holy Spirit is blessing something and anointing on something, that means he is good with it. God doesn't bless things that he is not happy with. And that could clear up some stuff on the church being open while we're at it. I don't know about you, but every time we've met together, kid, kid, if you're honest, you'll say, I feel the Holy Spirit. And even more so when we weren't supposed to be open. Does God bless disobedience? He never has. He never will. Is he the same yesterday, today, and forever? God does not bless disobedience. Amen? That's all free, too. Now, I hope you hear me. There's different, and I said this from the beginning, there's different thoughts. There's pre, mid, post. I'm okay with you having that thought. I'm okay. Like, this isn't a salvation issue. But this is, I think I've, laid out i haven't put my own ideas and thoughts in this it's been bible 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 amen okay verse 16 now may our lord jesus christ himself and our god and father who has loved us and given us everlasting consultation that's good and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. 
I don't know about you, but when you read Thessalonians, the second Thessalonians, what we just read, doesn't that bring you comfort? Like understanding. Now we're going to break it down a little bit. Ah, you don't need my notes on that. Something that, and it should stand out to you. This is basically in a nutshell what Paul's saying in verse 1 and 2. In regards to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together, let no one in any way deceive you. In regards to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together, let no one in any way deceive you. There is a lot of people's theologies and thoughts on this topic. There's a lot of deception going on. And there's going to biblically, there's going to be a lot before the Lord returns. Don't be deceived. Paul's, Paul's a bit concerned. What happened? Twice, the Thessalonians were concerned in some way, shape, or form that they weren't going to be raptured. Or that if they died ahead of the rapture, they wouldn't be raptured. And, and Paul straightened that one out. Then they were concerned because someone had told them, hey, the rapture already happened. He's like, do not let anyone deceive you. Everything I've laid out and everything I've said, you need to stand on that. That which I've spoken to you, you need to stand on that. You know why he's laying that and it's here for us? Because he knew and the Holy Spirit knew people are going to try to get us off of that. Fair enough. There's all kinds of different thoughts and opinions going on in that. I'm sorry. I do not see anywhere through God's character of who he is and his word where we are the objects of his wrath. Because we've been washed by the blood. We've been made holy and righteous in his sight. We can come boldly into his throne room of grace. Into his what? Throne room of grace. I mean, it's just, we're the bride. I mean, it's just over and over and over. There is no good reason to believe unless somehow you put yourself, as we talked a couple weeks back, into sections of Scripture that you don't belong. If God's speaking to Israel, or to the nation of Israel, or during the church age, like, there's different ages, so we can get ourselves and go, well, but what about this? This is that. Make sure you're in the right spot. Or make sure, like, in... As we get into Revelations in 12 and 13, that's like an intermission. John is like laying out all the characters of who they are, what's going to happen, and then it goes back into, then goes into plagues. Like, during that, or understanding like, oh, he said saints, so that's us. No, we're gone. But there's going to be people saved during the tribulation. Those are them. Not you, unless you get left. Then that's you. So an overall, you have to have, like, that's why I've been painting this picture. You have to have a very good overall set of lenses to decipher as you're going through where you are at. Right? Where are you in this? I'm not, like, after chapter 4, I'm gone. I'm in, I'm in the heavenlies. I'm around the throne singing the song of the redeemed. And then I'm coming back with them. Yay! That's a good day. Being on this earth is not a good day. Let's look at some words. Words are awesome. Verse 3, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away. 
comes first. That word is apostasy. Now, we're going to get into a cool little study. Yeah, this will be quick, I hope. <laughs> as, as, it, as we just read it, apostasy is a falling away, turning from. It's a common word for revolt or rebellion and would be falling away from truth, God, and his word. Now, this word could, this could actually be, there's another um, thought on the word here, and we'll look at that here shortly, but I just, will, just as it reads, apostasy, as a falling away. So Paul says, don't, don't worry, don't let no one deceive you, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed. Who's the man of sin? The Antichrist, the man of lawlessness. So he's saying, that day, the Lord's day is not going to come until the Antichrist is revealed. We are not going to know who the Antichrist is. We're gone. Poof. Now, we've got thoughts, and I've got a thought on it, but that's all it is. We're not going to see, we won't see the Antichrist just make the, um, the treaty with the world. When that happens, that is, it is, the clock is ticking. Ding, 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 seven years. It's going to be three and a half of Jesus's, the Lamb's um, tribulation, and then God's wrath. So we won't be here for that. So Paul is saying, that hasn't happened, so relax. That hasn't happened. Great falling away. Could, could that be happening now? A great falling away. Is, is, now, I would say, now this is just my thought, so it's my thought. I can have my thought. I'm not saying this is Jesus' thought, but it's my thought. Could that be what's happening today with the lukewarm liberal church? You're saying, Pastor Steve. I don't know, like, we're pretty blessed. And I'm not saying it because I'm here. I was blessed when I came here. There's, there's a handful of pretty solid churches that preach the truth. But there's a lot of churches that don't. There's a lot of churches that are afraid to speak the truth because of the consequences. Because they might offend somebody. That's a liberal church. That's falling away from the truth. That's falling away from what God would have us do. Amen? Could, could that be what Paul's speaking of? I hope so. I hope, it, I hope it doesn't get worse. Have we seen people fall away from the truth? The Greek word falling away or apostasy may also have the meaning of departure. Pretty cool study. Actually, even in our Foursquare um, Pentecostal Foundations um, book by Van Cleve, um, in the very back, it goes through last day stuff. And, and I came across this in a couple different spots. And even in our foundational course, it says this, um, that the, that word can mean um, something else. And it says it has, the word in Greek has the definite article, which means it refers to an event known by the recipients. Since the whole subject is about the rapture and the concern of the Thessalonians that they were already in the tribulation, the rendering, that word would, would, would render the, the, the departure instead of the falling away. So it, say, it would say, let no one deceive you by any means, for the day will not come unless the departure comes first 
and the man of sin is revealed or the man of lawlessness is revealed. I think that's accurate. Now I'm going to show you a whole teaching on where this comes up. And even before the King James Bible was ever printed, that's what it read. Would you guys interested in hearing that? Now, before I do that, it doesn't change one iota, really, of the rapture. Or, but the content and the context would fit that. So I just want you to see that. And, and whether you agree on that or I'm totally, it, either one of those works with me because we are seeing a falling away. But I think the, I actually think that the, the word fits the departing. So let's look at that. And I'm not going to try to, I don't want to misquote it, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it word for word. Well, that's easy. Can you guys turn these up a little bit brighter, Rob? I got a little print. Hey, hallelujah. Thank you. So the noted Greek scholar Kenneth Woost, however, or, however, has written about a second possible interpretation of the falling away, identifying it not as a defection from the truth, but as a departing of the church to heaven. He bases this theory on several points. The first is the possible secondary meaning of the word apostasia in the context of Paul's discourse, which covers the subject of Christ's return. When Jerome translated the Latin Vulgate, he rendered the Greek word apostasia as desasia, meaning departure. We should note the Bible translated before the 1611 King James Version translated this phrase, the falling away, as the departing. While this is not the normal rendering among most contemporary scholars, Woost's insight is worth noting. He points out that the common meaning of apostasia does not reflect the actual translation of the Greek word itself. The Greek noun apostasia comes from the root verb aphestamia and is found 15 times in the New Testament. Now listen to this. This is cool. Out of those 15 times, 11 times this verb is translated as depart, departed, or departing. And in one reference, it refer, and in only one reference, it refers to departing from faith. In eight of the 11 references, it refers to a person's departure from one place to another. That's in Luke 4, Acts 12, Acts 15, Acts 19, Acts 22, Acts 20, 2 Corinthians 12. Other places where the, where the verb, aphestami, is also found are in Luke 8, 13, fall away, Acts 5, 37, drew away. Acts 5.38, refrain. The primary meaning of the verb refers to a person departing from a place or from another person. Thayer says the word means a def defection of a freed man from his patron or a divorce or a repudiation. According to the Liddell, or according to the Liddell and Scott classical lexicon, the first meaning of apostasia is a deflect defection or revolt, and the second meaning pertains to a departure or disappearance. This is an important point as it relates to the early Bible translations. The majority of Bibles translated before 1611, King James Version interpreted the Greek phrase ho, which is the, apostasia, using the English phrase the departing, and not the falling away. These include the Tyndall Bible, 1534, Cloverdale, 1535, the Geneva Bible, 1537, Kramer, 1539, 
and the Beza translation, 1565, all of which use the phrase, the departing comes first. Tyndall translated the verse this way. So this is Tyndall's. Let no man deceive you by any means, for the day shall not come, except there come a departing first, and the man of sin be disclosed. Kenneth Woost, in the New Testament, an expanded translation, translates the passage in this manner. Do not follow anyone to lead you astray in any way, because the day shall not come except the aforementioned departure of the church to heaven comes first, and the man of lawlessness is, dis is disclosed in his true identity, the man of perdition. Thus, the first and primary meaning of the word apostasia is certainly a departing from truth. However, a second, secondary meaning can be a divorce, a dismissal, or a departing. In scriptural context, determines meaning. In scripture, context determines meaning. How many of you guys heard me preach that over and over and over? When we look at scripture, content, context, culture. Amen? The, in scripture, context determines meaning. The phrase would read the departing, meaning a specific departure already known to the reader since the is a definite article in Greek pointing to a specific departure. What departure was already known to the readers of this epistle? In his first letter, Paul had informed the church of a departure of the saints to heaven at Christ's return. Of Christ, Paul reminded them that when he was with them, he had told them these things. Paul wrote of the coming of Christ numerous times in his first letter. In Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, the departing was the catching away of the believers at the return of Christ. Amen? So, I know I was a lot, but I really thought it was good. I hope you did too. Um, that has always been kind of a, to me, when you read that, it's like, it's kind of weird. If, if you want to say it's an apostasy, people just falling away from their faith, it's okay. I, I think it's more along the lines of a departing. Then the Antichrist, that actually lines up with everything else Paul has said and, and other scripture. But it's neither here nor there if, you know, I just thought it was pretty cool. Verses 6 and 7. I want to I just hit these before we can get some teaching on there. Or verse 5, 6, and 7 is fine. Do you not remember what, that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And when the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth. So, the restrainer. Who knows what the restrainer is? Paul is saying, there's a restrainer holding back the man of lawlessness now. And until that restrainer is taken out of the way, the lawless one cannot come. Who's the restrainer? Who's the he? Good answer. I would dare say it's the Holy Spirit and us. Why? Because the Holy Spirit resides in us. Yes and yes. Yes, he is the Holy Spirit. Who is, who is Paul speaking to? Us, the church. He says, you already know what's restraining the, what's restraining the man of lawlessness. Church, do you know how amazing that is? That right there should show you the power that we have. Christ in us, the hope of glory. The fact that 
you are what is restraining the man of lawlessness. Now I'm going to preach a little bit and, and shake a tree. Use your vote. You are restraining the man of lawlessness. What if the church doesn't do its job? You see what we have. You see what the agenda is. Church, restrain the man of lawlessness. What I'm doing right now is that. Preaching, speaking the truth, putting the light on in the dark. That's what we all need to be doing. You are the restraining agent, the Holy Spirit in you. Do you think it's no coinkydink that it's all the, the whole world and the whole country right now is trying to go and fight against the police? And say the police is wrong. Who do you think is behind that? The spirit of lawlessness. Paul even goes on and says that that spirit, that lawless one, was already active in his day. Do you think it's ramping up as it gets closer to the restrainer being lifted? The restrainer is the Holy Spirit working through individuals and the global church. I said global specifically. The church is a lot bigger than this room. The church, forgive me, America, is not just America. We think everything as Americans, and, I'm, and it's the truth. We think that everything revolves around us. The church is global. Global. We're not the only ones restraining. We're restraining in this little area. There's principalities. There's, there's strongholds. But there's a global church. And all those prayers being offered up is powerful. When the church consisting of spirit-filled believers is removed at the gathering together, the divine power of the preaching of God's word will cease globally through the voice of the church. Can you imagine can you imagine how dark this world's going to be? When the global voice of the church and the preaching of the truth is no longer on the earth. When the restrainer is no longer being restrained. He's going to have full reign to do rape, pillage, to do everything he wants to do. And there will be no church, no voice, no preaching, no agency of the Holy Spirit on the earth. You do not want to be here. Which, which shows you you won't be, because you're the restrainer, right? Are you going to let the Antichrist come, steal, kill, and destroy on your watch? I ain't. I'm like, hey, dude, here's the line. It's the blood of Christ. You can't come over here. Get back over there. That's what our role is. But when that is away and taken out, there is no restrainer. Remember in Romans 13, uh, 12, 26, this little verse says, do not let evil overcome you, but what? Overcome evil with what? This is Sunday school stuff, right? Don't let, don't let, means, means it can't just do it. Don't let evil overcome you, but overcome evil with good. The good news, the gospel, we are the voice of the gospel. That was a lot better than you were understanding it. <laughs> the mystery of lawlessness. What's, this is a good verse. Can I have six more minutes? 
Great. I'll add all those up. <laughs> he calls it the mystery of lawlessness. What's that? The mystery of lawlessness. Well, it's not really a mystery. It's a self-exalting spirit. Do we see that today? A self-exalting spirit, not exalting the Lord, trying to take its place in the temple even now. Who's the temple? The mystery of lawlessness. Do we see the spirit of lawlessness even in the churches? Influencing the churches, influencing on this earth, definitely. Self-exalting spirit. Not exalting Jesus. That's a lot of churches today. You don't, even, you don't even hear mention of Jesus or the Holy Spirit in a lot of churches anymore. It's crazy. Who, what are they talking about? You don't, you don't even hear scripture. This is why, like I've heard messages, the whole message, never even reference, never even cracked the word open. So who's getting exalted? And, and there's thousands of people saying, that's good. wonder who's influencing that. And then you have people like myself who will speak the truth in love and bring the word. And it's, well, I don't know. That's pretty rough. And, and hear me. It's not my word. I ain't all that in a bag of chips. I'm not even that educated. People are like, surprise, surprise. We knew that. <laughs> this word's powerful, church. Here's what I know. This will wreck you in a beautiful way. Amen. This will change your life. It is so powerful, it will change the world's life. It's the gospel. It's the good news. It says, how will they know? How will the world know unless someone preaches it? How will they know? They won't. He says in, in verse 15. Well, hold on. It says, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Now let's look at verse 15. Because I don't have time to keep going. Let's look at the last, therefore. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or by epistle. Stand fast, church. Stand fast and hold the traditions you were taught. I hear Paul saying, let no one deceive you. Let no one deceive you. Here's what I know and believe. Now, this is my thought, but I believe it and I believe I know it. If you can get someone to twist your picture on a God who loves you and is coming to take you away out of that wrath, your faith and trust in God is going to diminish. How is it not? How, would you, how are you going to trust God? How is your faith in him and your complete trust in him going to be there when you're like, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm good enough. 
maybe, maybe, maybe I got to go through that wrath. Maybe, maybe, maybe he is not completely just. What else would you come up with? Does that make sense? Now, what's your trust at when you know beyond a shadow of a doubt? That's why I've been laying this foundation scripturally, not my own thought. There's no way, shape, or form. Like, my confidence, I, and I don't know about you, but my confidence, even my, which was pretty strong in, in him, like, I'm leaving. But even before my last study, I'm like, you hear different, well, through my, I'm like, there's no way. Can you tell? Do I seem like I'm pretty sure? Like, yeah, y'all can be here if you want. I ain't going to be here. If the blood is applied, church, if the blood is applied, you're righteous. You're as if you've never sinned. So who's the wrath for? If you've never sinned, it ain't for you. And if your God, a God of justice, pours his wrath out on the righteous, you need a new one. No, I'm dead serious. That is not who I know. That is not the, re I don't have a relationship with a God that's schizophrenic. And a God who just is like, I want to beat the snot out of people who are righteous. I want to beat my bride up before we get married. No, we lock people up to do that. Paul was wanting the Thessalonians to know the day of the Lord was not at hand because the restrainer was still on the earth. I want to just remind you that Paul had already told them that believers would escape the wrath to come in 1 Thessalonians 1.10 and 5.9. I'm going to close with this thought. And you get a free minute. While Satan is preparing the world for the Antichrist, the Holy Spirit's preparing believers for the rapture. <laughs> we got all this focus on the Antichrist. And oh, what the, what, how about we shift some focus? How about we shift some focus? Yeah, the Antichrist is, is preparing people for the tribulation and for, the, for, for that time. But the Holy Spirit is preparing believers for the rapture. Do you feel the preparation? Do you, do you know, like, do you feel the Holy Spirit preparing you for that homecoming? That old song, people get ready, there's a train coming. Don't need no ticket, just praise the Lord. People get ready. People get ready, there's a train coming. We're about to get on up out of here. He's preparing our hearts. Do you feel him shaking things? Is, it, is not a loving God going to shake this earth and say, church? Doesn't he shake the church first? Church. What is your foundation on? And he's going and knocking on the doors of churches. It says in Revelation, he's standing at the door of the church and knocking. Why? Because the doors are closed. Because some of them left their first love. Because some of them were lukewarm. He's shaking the church. He's shaking this earth saying, I'm coming back. Get ready. Get ready. Wash yourselves through the word. Cleanse yourselves. Get on the right foundation. That's a loving God. He's a just God. Sin has to get punished. If you, just, 
How many of you, if one of your children were stolen and God forbid something horrible happened and their life was, would you want justice? We serve a just God. Justice is going to come to this earth. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we're going to see the justice of God, the love of God. You can't have justice without love. Thank God he loved you. Thank God he loves me. Thank God he sent his son to this earth so that we would not have to suffer. For his is the power and the glory forever and ever. His is the kingdom. His is the power. His is the glory forever and ever. We're going to be with him forever. We'll never not be with him if you know him. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Or we're going to get caught up in the air. Snatched away from this earth. Snatched away. Mine. That's a glorious day. Father, we thank you. We thank you for...